0: Alison Janney.
1: Wow. That was fun. I think people are pleased you're here. <laughs> I'm very pleased I'm here. Thank you for, for having me and inviting me to this well, incredible evening. We are,
0: Absolutely, very much looking forward to talking about your, your life in pictures, but let's go back a little bit before okay. the pictures. Um, so you were raised in
1: Dayton? Dayton, uh-huh. Ohio, I was born in Boston, Massachusetts and then and with, grew up in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio with two brothers and, uh, and a lot of animals. But, <laughs> performers in the household? My mother actually was an actress. She, uh, she went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York and she uh, was roommate at one point with Eileen Brennan and Rue McClanahan. She did plays with Tony LoBianco and uh, Tallulah Bankhead, and and she got a review for her fabulous legs. That was what she um, <laughs> she did. She had beautiful legs. She was a dancer, and then she she met my father on a blind date in New York. He was a copywriter for an advertising agency, and and. Um, and she decided to back when you made decisions like that mm-hmm. as a woman you picked one or the other and she chose the family and she's never looked back or regretted it and has had so much fun watching watching me do you know get to have a career
0: So, so was it clear then that you would study
1: theater or drama Oh god no I uh, I don't think I don't think I knew or chose to be an actor until I was in college I went to Kenyon College in um, Ohio and and Paul Newman had gone to Kenyon College, and he directed, uh, they built a beautiful new theater at, at the College uh, at Kenyon, and, and he came to christen it by directing the first play in it. Mm-hmm. So I met, I got to work with Paul Newman and met Joanne Woodward, and Joanne said, you should come to the Neighborhood Playhouse and study acting, and I was. I said, well, okay, sure, I'll do that, and, and I never even filled out the application. My good friend, Alison Mackey, filled out my application and sent it in, and I got a letter saying you were accepted, and I was like, I didn't, think that's how, I I, I don't know where I would be right now if it weren't for my friends and the people who believed in me, because I think I, I don't know what my problem, I think I was just, I I didn't know that I wanted to be an actor, I didn't want to commit or say that I was, because I knew what a hard life it would be, and I, um, and (laughs) so I ended up going to the neighborhood playhouse and then studying, and then, and then, not working for a very long time <laughs> because I'm so impossibly tall, and um, I was cast as you know 40 year old women when I was mm-hmm. 10. You know, it was just I was always playing older. I think just because of my height. My first play uh, at, in high school was Noah Claypool, the Undertaker's son, and Oliver, because I, I was you know they didn't have who else was gonna. I don't know. That was my part, um, and and I I think I was a reluctant actress because I didn't know that I was going to be able to have a career in it. I didn't want to say, it's one of those things where, you know, as an actor in New York, when you say you're, you know, someone says, what, are, what do you do? And you say you're an actor, and people joke and say, what restaurant do you work in? And, <laughs> and, and I just didn't want, I didn't want to hear that. I, so I said I was a photographer. For National Geographic, I think. (laughs) I I thought that sounded like a really sexy job to have. But
0: you did at one point come here to London to... to
1: I did. I got from the the Neighbourhood Playhouse. Mm -hmm. I got a fellowship to come to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, and I had a wonderful um, summer program here with um, no one from England, though. It was all people from all over the world. It It was an international group of people, Sri Lankans and... And Germans and Swedes. It was it was it was amazing. It was one of my favorite times I've I had. Got to getting to study here and going to the theater every single night with my Rada card and getting in for you know a you know a pound to go see every play. I went to the theater every single night and it was it was it was great.
0: So was there any sense at, at that point of I mean, did you have particular actors who you wanted to emulate in some way? Would did it did screen or stage seem? Um, I definitely,
1: you know, I grew up watching Carol Burnett and she was my hero and Mary Tyler Moore when I grew up in front of the television set in in Ohio um, and I fell in love with those women. Those were, those were my heroes. And then as I studied theater and I fell in love with, you know, Maggie Smith and and Judy Dench and I saw Judy Dench uh, when I was studying over here um, um, in, um, oh gosh, which, show? one of those Shakespeare plays. <laughs> I
0: don't remember she's which done one. plenty. Oh but... God, she's such a
1: genius. Um, she was an inspiration, of course. You know, Meryl Streep, as you saw her kissing me there. But that was that's my favorite Meryl Streep story. I'm going to jump around and just tell yeah. me because I, she, oh, she was so upset with the uh, with the way she looked in the lighting, and she thought, and she thought I didn't look so good either. So she was going to, when she kissed me, she she went like that. <laughs> I see her. Oh, it's so great. She put her hands right there, so you're going to thank me later. <laughs> oh, I love her so much, my God. Oh.
0: <laughs> what a great tip. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so, um, I mean, but you were cast uh, fairly early on in, in films. I mean, this, this film career goes back.
1: Well, uh, you know, I, my career really. When I okay, I think it was 38 when things started mm-hmm. to happen for me. and um, I, I got my friend Stanley Tucci um, wrote a movie called Big, Big Night. Night yeah. and he asked me to play that part. I, it was the first time I didn't audition for anything and I, I, I couldn't believe Stanley was just because we had done it we got We did a play called Fat Men and Skirts with the Naked, Naked Angels Theatre Company in New York City. Um, with uh, Marissa Tomei and Stanley and Matt McGrath, it was one of the craziest plays. I don't know if you, any of you know Nikki Silver's play, uh, plays, but uh, it's—they're pretty out there. And um, in—I I can't believe I'm going to tell this story now, but I'm going to because it's funny. Uh, um, the, um, uh, in this production, we only did it seven uh, seven performances, and one night, I had to start the play with this monologue, and I remember coming off stage and going, "Stanley, what is?" I don't think anybody, I felt like nobody was looking at me or watching me or paying attention. And I, I thought, I was. I, did I suck? Was I terrible? Why, why was nobody? And um, I found out that in the audience that night were Jackie O, John John Kennedy, um, um, Al Pacino, Ellen Barkin, Mike Nichols. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, it was an unbelievable star set and I have no idea why they were all there for that one performance, but because of that, Mike Nichols, uh, my, i loved that man so much. He was um, a real champion of mine, and I just loved him. And he saw me in that, wrote me a lovely letter, and then he put me in, proceeded to put me in Wolf in a really teeny part, and then he put me in Primary Colors. And that movie is what got me West Wing because of that. Aaron Sorkin was in love with Mike Nichols too, and then... Um, Oh, so great! I was just everything just leads. But that starts from the theatre and leads on from there.
0: Well, West Wing. I, mean, I think we have to address West Wing first of all. I better have a sip of martini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sip of martini, <laughs> exactly. Which is not entirely inappropriate, is it? In that sense. Um, and so West Wing runs from ninety nine to two thousand and six, and you are right the way through it, and. That whole idea of, I mean, it's impossible, I think, for us, Mm. for anybody who hasn't done it, to imagine what that kind of juggernaut was, that
1: production process of week in, week out. It was thrilling. I have never been so... We didn't know it was going to go on for as long as it did. First of all, when I did the pilot, I didn't think anyone was going to watch a show about American politics. I didn't think anyone would be interested, and all of us did. It wasn't just me, and then... And it just kept going and kept going. I was like, "Are we getting another season? Are we getting another season?" So I never, we never sat back and thought we're a hit and and you know felt comfortable. We always were worried that it was going to disappear. I was always so grateful. Every I would stand in those walk and talks when they'd reset and I'd look at everybody working on that show and have one of those moments where you go, "I'm so grateful right now. I'm so. I just loved every person. Um, that, that cast was an extraordinary group of people that I'm still very mm-hmm. close with and." Um, but but it did. It was. It came at a cost because you would do a show like that and you work, 18-hour days. We worked on that. Um, Fridays become, we became. We call them fratter days because it just Friday and Saturday became Saturday, and then your Saturday was gone. And then you'd have a you know for for the women we'd have like 5 a.m. calls um, for hair and makeup, and I missed family weddings funerals. Um, I got an honorary degree from my college, and my I missed the plane because of the shooting, and my father had to ac- accept it for me. And you know, I missed it. It came, and I didn't. I couldn't juggle that success with with keeping up with my friends and family. It was it was too. It was unbelievable. It was before cell phones, for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you really. Um, I was out of touch with a lot. Of, lost touch with a lot of people during that.
0: That Aaron Sokin.
1: Dialogue. Do
0: you, I mean, do you need to go into
1: training for that? Because <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I've always loved dialogue, fast talking women. I love it. I'm, I feel, I know I'm talking here and I'm doing fine. But I just, I, I get tongue tied all the time, and I, I'm so much more comfortable memorizing. I would rather. Have memorized a ten-page Aaron Sorkin thing, <laughs> than sit here and have to talk myself. It's so I found it so empowering, so much fun to play a woman that smart and that capable. I was thrilled. I was just, it it gave me chills to be to be that kind of woman who can dress down a four-star general and 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 just have the the verbal acuity and the the smarts and the knowledge and just to you know I'm always I always joke and I say. You, you, I'm always the person that's in the car going home, we all are, and we go, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that, and CJ always says it. Who does it for us? She, and, and it's just, who doesn't want to be her? She's my hero, she's my hero too. And I, but you know. it's the control of it yes. that's so impressive, yes. isn't it? Yes, yeah. I was, God, there were so many moments like that that were, Just delicious. Aaron Sorkin, I think, I mean, I haven't seen Molly's Game. Have you all seen Molly's Game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it it Aaron Sorkin-quality? It's good, it's good, yeah. I can't wait to see it. I really want to see it. Um, He said he might write a reboot with um, um, Sterling K. Brown as the president, with all of us. Um, uh, I hope he meant all of us being Better check. That. Be, right. yeah. Start talking about it.
0: Well, of course, it. because a very different political climate because that that was during Clinton and Bush too, wasn't it? That yes. uh, that, that series went out and always. Yes, we were oh my god, changed. in the beginning we were
1: we were rock stars in Hollywood when Clinton was in office and we got invited all the time and we were doing a lot of exterior work in DC and then when Bush came into office it was they were we were no longer got any invitations <laughs> to the White House. And now, could you imagine? Oh, my god. <laughs> oh, my god, no. I, I, I don't know what's happening. I really don't. It's the most unbelievably um, upsetting time in my history, in my watching what's going on um, with this man. I, I honestly think he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very upsetting.
0: I'm, so four Emmys you got for West Wing, and um, and indeed it, it it is probably the pivotal series that establishes the seriousness of TV drama in the contemporary world, doesn't it? I mean because there was so much, I mean there's so many issues that over that period of time. I suppose that that's something that we may come to talk about in terms of TV series and film parts. Um, how long you spend on one, or the, I mean if it runs as long as the West Wing. The arc of that character can be extraordinary, can't it?
1: Yeah, and yet you never, it's like life, you never know what's happening next. We didn't, even though I got to play her that long, I never knew the next day was going to come or what was coming down the pike. You know, Aaron never discussed with us what storylines were coming or where. I mean, Richard Schiff, I remember him being. He said, "What? I'm getting married and I'm having babies." He was just like he couldn't believe when that storyline came at him. And and even on Mom, I never I never know what what's coming, so I don't get to. It's not like I get to see where the end is and and prepare my my arc for the whole show. I just do each episode as it comes and and um, and think of it as it could be the last and 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 trust the have to trust the writers. Um, because we don't get to be involved in that process at all. I think they they like it that way. I think it gets messy for them if we start. We've pitched some ideas, so, and and Aaron definitely, I mean, my God, the Jackal, uh, that came about just from, I mean, Richard and I hanging out in our trailers for endless hours, you know, waiting to, to work, and, and we just, instead of learning a new language or you know doing something productive and useful, we, we learned to, to lip sync and play air guitar to, to, <laughs> to, to crazy songs. And, and Aaron happened to come into the trailer one night and, and saw me uh, do that, so he made CJ do it. Um, so he was always looking for things from our real life to put in, in the show. Uh, then us, he made CJ from Dayton, Ohio, and yeah. did that whole um, story.
0: The, uh, I did see uh, a discussion once with uh, with you know, sort of senior members, as it were, of the of the cast of West Wing talking. And Martin Sheen said something very interesting about working with you, how much he, he loved working with you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He said because you never catch her at it, you never catch her at the business of acting.
1: Oh, I like that.
0: that is and nice it was it, I thought it was lovely, and I thought it was absolutely true about about your performances. There's always yeah. that sense that you know of it, it being real. And, um, and, you know, because there's some actors you can admire, but you're sort of obviously admiring their technique. And yeah. with you, it's, it's never that.
1: No, I do. I like to be... It's not like I think I'm that person or anything. I'm not crazy. But I do like to be in the moment and mm-hmm. know my... To know your lines and be on stage or, or in front of a camera with someone, it's just... It's very... Liber- I love it. It's the only time I feel really connected <gasps> to... In the, what I'm supposed to do, or into the world, or whatever, it just makes me feel connected to be in a scene with someone and just there and and thinking w- whatever character I'm playing, I'm I'm there and I'm that character and I'm I'm giving it everything I have and I love it.
0: We're going to move towards Juno, now,
1: okay. which is
0: um, 2007 and uh, Jason Reitman directing and Oscar-winning script by Diablo Cody mm-hmm. as well. So this is this. I mean, Juno is, is sort of held up now as a kind of example of sort of indie film. I mean, was it apparent right from the beginning that this was an extraordinary script?
1: Yes. There have been a few. Sc- this this one and and actually, Itania, um, reading those scripts, I knew right away that they were they were great. But that didn't necessarily. I didn't know that they were going to translate and be successful in the box office. Or but I knew that they were unique. And and Diablo's writing. I mean, her style is just. I'd never read anything like it before, and and was couldn't have been. I was so lucky that Jason wanted to. um, Jason wanted to work with me in that. He, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't have to audition for that, which was a miracle. I'm. um, um, I was really lucky that he wanted me for that because I certainly wanted to be part of it, and I I didn't know if I had a chance or not. But but he told me afterwards that he had he wanted.
0: And it's a great film about uh, about kind of modern family life, isn't it? Because of the, uh, it's about teenage pregnancy, obviously. But um, you are you're the stepmom stepmom, yeah, Um, a good stepmom, I guess. The good first, step, not, exactly. Not evil, stepmother. not the wicked kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, but it's it's the relationship that you have with her. It's, I mean this is why Juno you know, I think it was you know for a lot of people very an interesting film that was so successful but at the same time, it's kind of celebrating slightly different models. Than now, <laughs> going through your filmography, I mean, there, are, there are films where you maybe haven't had so many scenes, but you leave such a strong impression. I wonder if there's, is there kind of some principle about, if you know that you may not have that many lines of dialogue or yeah. you may not have that much time on screen, is there something, some way of kind of distilling it or knowing what it is, knowing your place, as it were, in, in, and your importance in the film?
1: Um, I always, you know, I do that thing my mother used to tell me, um, there are no small parts, they are only small actors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and every part I play, I go, well, this is a story about Bren who's a, mo-, you know, I approach it that way, that that is my, uh, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's a movie about me, <laughs> no matter how small <laughs> the part. <laughs> and then you just own it and do it and bring your, bring your best to it and, and um, Hope it serves the the greater good of the 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 movie. I guess I don't know. I mean, the the, you know I have to talk about the Itania line because I've wanted to say that in almost every movie I've ever been in is what the fuck happened to my storyline. That that for those of you have, I don't know if you've all seen it, but if you haven't seen it, that's my. I get to address the filmmaker, the the screenplay, the screenwriter in the movie, which is hilarious. But. Yeah, I don't, because I, you know, it's so funny. I do things like Juno and and Tanya and and, and Tanya I shot in eight days, and and Margot and ever they were on for you know the, the, the whole well there's only only thirty days but um, they were on for the whole thing and, and Juno was maybe four or five days of shooting and all these m- movie roles take up just such a small little teeny part of my life and and. Um, <laughs> And I'm so happy to have been involved in all of them, but I've never had the, done a lead in a movie, like done the whole, you know, from beginning to end. And, uh, well, that's not true. I did um, something called Days and Nights, but I don't think it, no one ever saw that. But I was, was number one on the call sheet, it was my first time, <laughs> I was number one on the call sheet, which was a big a big deal for me. Um, but that's kind of, I'd love to do more m- movies where I had to, to, from beginning to end, have the whole experience. Um, mm-hmm. um, but that's why I love doing my steady job at uh, mom, and. Uh, doing that right now. It's such a great job, it's such a great schedule, and great people I get to work with, and it's like a day job. I get to get up and go to work every day and and act, and it's, it's, it's amazing. I think someone here is gonna come see me. Mom, Rachel, are you here? Oh, you yeah, right there. Oh, for heaven's sakes. This is my friend Rachel. She's going to come see me and mom. I can't believe you're in the front row. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, th- I mean, the most extreme thing, is Kenneth Lonergan's Mm-mm. Margaret, I mean, without giving it away for somebody who hasn't oh, seen it. Oh, God, yeah. But, I mean, that is literally yeah. a handful of lines, yeah. if if that. And yet, but you permeate the film. I mean, there is there is kind of plot reason for that. But it isn't just that, it's so memorable that it's impossible to forget what happens and how you do it. And see,
1: Kenny Lonergan called me and asked me to do it and and we were joking. I said, really, it's like literally one little scene. He said, but but it's the most important scene in the movie. It's the whole movie happens because of what happens to you. And I said, well, I guess at least I won't get cut. (laughs) <laughs> and at that point, so I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I, I went and I spent a whole day on Broadway in a pool of blood. Um, it was, and I, I laid there the whole day because they were like, okay, well you can, you know, we're gonna relight so you can go to craft service. I was like, really? <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna get Walker. I, no, I'm just gonna lie here just for the day. You got me for the day. I'm lying here all day. And and Kenny was so interesting when he directed me in that because he just kept saying, "Now be angry. Now I want you to be." Just giving me different directions and I didn't. They didn't make sense to me at all. And I didn't understand why he was. And I just did it. I just trusted him. And 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 I think it creates this woman who was, you know, obviously had this awful. Trauma happen, and, and she doesn't know which end is up. She doesn't know what's going on, and and she's not right in the head, and and it, so it kind of made sense. It was a wonderful direction that he gave me, and um and a very memorable. Yeah, I've had a lot of people, who um, Elaine May, one of my heroes, um um actually wrote me a, a note about that that she mm. loved that scene so much. And it is like my, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, I and I, I sometimes don't know what it, what it what it when I'm doing it. I don't know that it is or it's going to be, but
0: well, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. This is in a contradiction to
1: the way way yeah. back.
0: Moving forwards to the way way back, and to Betty, who is uh, oh, Betty. Betty. is a cheers to Betty. Cheers to Betty. <laughs> but Betty would not be without that glass she in She would her not hand. be without this and, glass. Uh, this is, so this is a film. Uh, this is a a great. Uh, it's a comedy, obviously. And Betty is a Betty's a neighbour, yeah. and she is she could be the neighbour from hell, but and yet we know, even at the beginning that. She's going to be okay.
1: <laughs> she, she's, uh, yeah, just in small doses. And when you're in the right mood, <laughs> Betty can be great. But then you want her to just go away.
0: <laughs> but with somebody like Betty, is is there a sense of you thinking, how far can I take this? Or is there just no too far?
1: Well, everyone who knows me knows I go big or go, I'm always, I will always err <laughs> on going big. And then they can bring me down. But I love to be, I love playing big, making big choices. And, um with um, Betty finding, knowing that she was covering up so much pain and so unhappy made it easier to go bigger. Like, I am happy, we're gonna have yeah. fun, we're the best summer ever, just like that manic kind of, just deny, not refusing to let life bring her down or the fact that her husband you know, left her for a man and, and all the, you know, just, she just wants to have fun and be loved, and lo- and and it just brought, she kind of broke my heart that character, and it was so it was. I loved that opening scene though. It was it was pretty great to to. It says it all. Oh God.
0: You know, the real oh, problem with the on. way way back is there isn't enough Betty. <laughs> <to> <laughs> I know that was
1: my Betty. big that was my my big scene. Yeah, I, I, I was, was hoping that she
0: would. I mean, obviously she recurs, but I was hoping she was going to have a great big scene at I the know. end. But, Sadly, she just becomes quite discreet.
1: I know. I'm so... But, I. got it was a dream job being on the beach in southern Massachusetts, south Boston, and um, I can't even remember the town right now, but we all rented houses on the beach and walked down the beach to work every day. It was one of the most glorious shoots I've ever been on and a lot of fun, enormously fun.
0: So, I mean, do you have... You have... Uh, I don't know how to, uh, to put this. This isn't. This, this, this could sound kind of. I'm just. But you have a face <laughs> that. God, could she's, be. I'm, I'm
1: rubbing off. No, on but you. There, are I love things,
0: it. there are some. There are some. faces that are very much stuck in an era like the 21st century. For example, there are some actors who you put them in mm-hmm. period drama and mm, this this never quite works. But you have done a fair amount of that as well. You've done stuff in the 50s and. Um, and do you have any particular? Do you, you know? Do you do you like being, in in period drama stuff? Does it give you something?
1: Or? I li- yeah. I, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, anything where I get to hide more, be in more <laughs> costumes and wigs and clothing. I, I I love it. I don't know if it's just my theater training and you know doing fado and doing you know. Um, um, Funny thing happened on the way fort doing musical, just doing all different styles of things and not being, learning to be fearless in them. And, and, and um, I, I enjoy time jumping or doing whatever the script calls for. And I, I thank my mom and dad for a face that doesn't look, that looks old school or something. I think I, I kind of look, timeless. I, I work 30, timeless. 40, I don't know. Yeah, I guess the timeless do you st- Do you start with costume? with a role. Well, I look forward to that costume meeting. Like with Ann Roth. I've worked with her so many times. She did my Broadway debut. She did this. She did the hours. I've worked with her so many times and I look to Ann to tell me who my character is. Sometimes she's so opinionated about it and she, you know, I see what she does to me and I go, "Oh, that's who I am." I thought I was going to wear, you know, I am fascinated by costume designers and Jennifer Johnson who did the costumes for Tanya, Oh my God, she's so. I'm so so have so much respect for um, their talent and the, the, obviously the hair and makeup people too. But I, the more they put on, I, they inform who I am. I look, I look to, to them to, to find my character.
0: Mm. So we're going to talk about um, the role that that won you an Emmy as guest actress. I love that phrase is. Guest, guest actress,
1: actress. Yeah, guest I wasn't, actress. yes, um, you can she... only be in six episodes or something, oh, is be a guest, yes, if you're seven, you're a regular and you don't get, you know, so. <laughs> the
0: guest like fish has gone off after four Exactly. Days. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, and this is for Masters of Sex, mm-hmm. which is uh, another one of these tremendous uh, TV dramas, and 1950s, as The Help also is 1950s. Yes, it is. It? So you have yeah. a little bit of period yeah. of time in that. Now, I love this character in Masters of Sex because she is the opposite of Betty. Really,
1: isn't she? yes, she's a very, very quiet, searching woman, very um, un- unhappy and not knowing why her marriage isn't working and what she's doing wrong, feeling inadequate, <coughs> feeling underappreciated, not no, just in a time when <coughs> the sexual revolution was sort of beginning, and she was hearing her friends talk about. Um, sex and she's just I love those scenes of just being quiet and listening and realizing my hmm, that's not my life I don't have that I don't have that just realizing how how um, how unhappy she is I guess um, it was amazing
0: so she she volunteers this this is um, oh. Margaret skull she's she's married to a character played by Beau bridges yes who's First, interest is it's probably not women actually, yes. the, and um, however, this is none of this, is, of course, is expressed in any open way. But she volunteers to take part in William Masters and Virginia Johnson's survey, their sort of their early studies of, of sexual behavior. So she turns up um, to give her evidence, as it were, her experience, but it's not entirely what they're expecting. It's, and I think actually one of the interesting um, things too about that series was. But it did then also make you reflect on kind of, if you like, the performative function that sex now has in society, that that, that she's she's isolated. I mean, let alone the fact that she's not obviously having a great time. Right. She's actually kind of socially isolated as well from that idea of not being part of some,
1: oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> God, I forgot how God. devastating that is. And the whole storyline was so beautiful with bow Beau bridges and, and. Uh, if you, oh, I could, now I want to watch it again. I can't even remember. Um, I know there was just so much, it was a great storyline, great actors, great, great opportunity for me to get to play someone like that. She's one of, she's probably the closest to me, not that I haven't had an orgasm, I'm not <laughs> saying.
0: I don't think
1: for a moment anybody would think Let me finish. <laughs> 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 just in terms of being, yeah. just, just more awkward socially, I think I, she, I relate to her. Yeah,
0: but I suppose it—it it is that sense of okay, okay. West Wing—you didn't know from week to week necessarily what was going to happen, but presumably with something like this, you do understand what the arc might be. And so, is it more satisfying than perhaps doing a feature film um, to be able to develop over? Yeah,
1: and I, it's the the. Um, when I was approached about this, um, the um, the women call... Oh, God, I can't remember their names right now because I'm so... Um, can someone... Karen, are you out there? Michelle? Yes, Michelle and... and. Wait for it. <laughs> Michelle Ash... Michelle... Sarah, Turnbull. Sarah Turnbull, thank you. Thank you. Rachel, Sarah, tell On my mind. Sarah and Michelle called me, and, and they hadn't written it yet, but they just... Pitched the the um, arc to me of what the character was going to go through, and, and I thought it was brilliant. And didn't know what the pages were going to be like, what the mm. script was going to look like, but I loved the storyline, and I wanted to tell the story, her story, and and um, I was, you know, I had to be. There were some n- n- nude scenes in there too, which was they they warned me about. I had to do some a sex scene. <laughs> You know, at fifty, who gets asked to do a sex scene at fifty? Mm-hmm. Over fifty, it was—it was enormously challenging for me, and I'm not very—I was not <laughs> entirely comfortable doing it. But I thought it was a great, an important story to tell. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Mm. So, I mean, and very different in talking in terms of talking about long-running TV. There's also *Mom*, for which mm-hmm. the Emmys—I mean, your your mantelpiece must be now laden <laughs> down with the, <laughs> the Emmys from. So, mm-hmm. this was—was was this? this is a story that when we hasn't seen this is a story about mothers and daughters but actually it becomes a story about addiction and rehab and and yeah it it's the main
1: reason I wanted to do the show is that it was about something more than I was looking to work in that format and the, the the half hour because it's such a civilized schedule you can have a life mm-hmm. when you act it's it's un, it's, un, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me in the um, uh, just in terms of work and work and life balance, um, and I love that the backdrop was about people in recovery. It's such an issue that's very close to me, and I, I didn't know in the beginning, in the pilot episode, that it was going to shift focus more into the recovery family than the um, uh, the um, family family, whatever you call it, the uh, you know birth family, whatever. Um, but I was, ha- I was kind of happy that they went in that direction because um, I think the stories that we can tell with these, these, uh, this group of women, these friends who are all struggling to, um, not struggling to stay sober, but they're, they're in working their, their program and trying to um, 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 survive and they're all survivors and they're all great characters. And, and um, we deal with issues that affect everyone and and i love nothing is better to me than having someone come up a fan who says thank you so much for your show i have 10 years sobriety and i'm so grateful to have see my life represented up there and you show it with you know grace and 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 you show that you, there can be joy and, and laughter in recovery and you you show uh, you know that there there's a way to do it it's not and taking the stigma off uh, off of it it's so important we're such a you know this world this you know in our country especially there you know there's People are have so many addictions, so many things they're struggling with, um, and I like that um, my work in that show gives people hope. Because it
0: it's, must be quite a tricky balance, um, finding that way between. I mean, this is not the writer's, but obviously to the director and clearly the performers, right. finding that line between the comedy, which it is a comedy, yes. <laughs> it certainly starts off in a yeah. you know in a very comedic way, and also finding the truth in you know, sometimes the quite difficult truth in it
1: too it is I think that that's up to the, the writers part to find that wonderful balance of, um, of of finding the humor in the in the dark and the in the sadness and I, I particularly God I'm so grateful that laughter is the only way to get through things like that To get through the difficult moments that we go through in life and I love that that they they're not afraid to go there and um, I think some of the best laughs come out of sad moments and, and and with these characters. I mean with Marjorie who has cancer and, and she says, Don't I know just because I have cancer, don't treat me any differently and then, you know, Bonnie says here you can pay the check then, you know, it's like that sort of they just know how to bring you mm-hmm. back up after, you know, having a quiet moment of something real and tragic to make us all laugh. And I think it makes endears the um, these characters to, to people and I think it's why the show is, is, is um, successful. Um, that people are relating to these women and, and wanting to root for them, I you
0: know? But, but Bonnie, I mean, Bonnie is, is a character who's trying to figure out how to, because actually you've got quite a lot of, quite a lot of the other characters we've seen so far tell people how it is and do figure things out for them, whether it's, you know, whether it's Bren in, in Juno or obviously West Wing is, um, and indeed the detective and Girl on the Train, I mean, she sorts everything out too, doesn't yeah, she? she? Does. Yeah, that was uh, you know they get get things nicely sorted. However, um, as we come forward to Itonia, mm-hmm. which uh, is in cinemas here in January, um, there is or oh, maybe February, I'm not quite sure, but anyway, soon in the yep. in the new year, it's, it's coming to cinemas, and this is based obviously on the incident as it's referred to about Tony Harding, the figure skater, yes, uh, who was. Implicated in the, at the time in an incident in which another figure skater Nancy Kerrigan was injured in a very in a violent attack. This is uh, it's an extraordinary story. I mean, it's an extraordinary way of telling the story as well, because it busts open the fourth wall sometimes.
1: Yes, um, my my friend Stephen Rogers, who wrote the screenplay, this beautiful screenplay. He um, he saw a documentary on Thirty for Thirty about. Tanya Harding, and he decided uh, he had written a movie about um, a Christmas movie, and it didn't go over very well. And <laughs> he thought, I want to write something that has nothing to do with Christmas, and <laughs> and so he he saw this 30 for 30 with his niece, and thought, Why well, don't write something about Tanya Harding? Nothing doesn't say Christmas like Tanya <laughs> Harding. So he um, he. Um, he went up, flew, called me and said, I'm, I'm going to write this movie about Tanya Harding. And I thought, I just thought that sounded fascinating because I, I used to be a, a figure skater um, um, uh, back in Dayton before I had to dream of being an actor. Um, I wanted to be a, an Olympic figure skater. So I, I spent a lot of time skating and I knew knew the players all involved in the Tanya Harding incident. And I thought, that sounds fascinating. Tell me to call me when you get back and you've talked to her. And um, he had a really successful. Uh, conversation with her, though she was, you could tell she had told the story a million times, so he, he had to get around that to find out what was really going on. And and he kept going up and meeting with her and met with Jeff Galuli, her husband. And uh, the thing that struck him was that they both had such contradictory um, um, versions of, of the same story, of their relationship, of the incident, of everything. They disagreed on absolutely everything. And he thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell the story that way. I'm going to tell the story and show both of their versions of what happened. And then as, and then my character emerged as he realized what a big part she played in, shaping who Tanya was. And um, and he said, funnily, the only thing that Jeff and Tanya agreed on was how awful Lavana was and her <laughs> character. That was literally the only thing they agreed on. Um, so he wrote this and he called me and said when when the mother started playing a, a big role in the story in Tanya's story he said Allison I'm right I'm you're gonna play Tanya's mother and you're gonna wear a fur coat and you're gonna have a bird on your shoulder and you're gonna have to be an alcoholic and you're gonna be this I was like oh my god this is, I mean it just sounded fantastic to me but I was like how are you getting such a why the bird? Why the fur coat? I yeah, love your, bird, you know, it's bird. such a specific look. And, you, you know, and I think I laugh because Margot read this and didn't know that any of it was true. Mm-hmm. So she just thought Stephen had made up the whole the whole thing, which was just so funny to me because she was like three, I think, when the incident happened. But, <laughs> so of course she wouldn't know. But, um, and then I watched the 30 for 30 documentary and, um, and there she is, the real Avana in that very, very unique look. Um, <laughs> and, he just and Stephen um, has written a lot of other movies and he has written a part for me in every single one of them, but I've never gotten to play any of them because, you know, I wasn't a big enough name or whatever, and the the parts always went to um, another actress. The part written for Alice and Janney will be played by, you know, Betty White. Or it um, did. I, I never. It was our joke between us. We went to the neighborhood playhouse together, Stephen and I. We've known each other forever and and to have this happen and have my name being bandied about in the conversation you know it's just, it's it's crazy it's so, it feels so, it makes it all the more special that, that it's happening because of our friendship and um, and this 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 role that he wanted me to play and i hope that i think he wanted me to play because he thought if anyone was going to be able to bring some level of humanity to this woman that he knew that that would be that's what i would want to do mm you know because she's she's evil she's not a good woman and 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 but i know she's not just that that i know she had to start off she was a little girl at one point she had a mother and a father she was probably abused she was you know i it's not you know saying what she did was you know that you can forgive it but you can understand it and
0: because the tone of the film is, is really unusual, actually, because you it think is. that you're into a particular kind of comedy about sort of, if, you know, like not, not exactly trailer trash, but you're into that kind of... Dark, and then it gets darker and darker and darker as
1: yeah. the film goes along. And I think that I love dark humour. That's oh. my my jam or whatever. I just... I. I like it, and I probably shouldn't admit that as much as I could There are just <laughs> t- things that are twisted that make me laugh. And I feel like I shouldn't admit that this makes me laugh. Because it's not funny. The, and I'm not talking about the, the abuses. It's, it's part of the story. It's not part of the entertainment. But it's a big part of this movie. And it's part of Tanya's story. And when you're telling someone's story, like Stephen decided he's not, what do you, you don't sugarcoat it. You show it the way she experienced it, which was every day and routine and normal. So that something so awful can be you know, to us, we're horrified watching it. The audience watches like, "Oh my God, that's what she went through. That's what her life that, that she had an abusive mother, she had an abusive husband. She, you know, it's just amazing what she had to survive and and what she accomplished in spite of all that and being um, not accepted by the, mm-hmm. the figure skating community." Who, she didn't fit the mold of the, the figure skater. It was supposed to be a classy, you know, um, high class girl with, who could afford the beautiful skating costumes and and um, wear pearls and and you know um, fur coats. And Tanya was like you know, girl loved to drive pickup trucks and and you know shoot rabbits and um, you know listen to ZZ Top and just just completely did not fit into the world, and they didn't accept her. They didn't want her, and it was said sad. It's because she really was the, one of the most talented skaters, and and um, they didn't they didn't want to accept her, and and in spite of that, she accomplished one of the greatest feats in in figure skating history. Um, it's funny because they they had to do the show the triple Axel in the movie, and Craig Gillespie, our director, was like, well, let's get the um, Let's get that uh, the skater who's going to do the triple axel. And they were like, um, "No, that there's nobody who can do it." <laughs> they, they're, they're the people, the only two or the women who could do it, were training for the Olympics, and they didn't want to risk hurting themselves to come do a stunt for <laughs> our movie. So they had to CGI it. They had to do all this, um, you know, facial recognition stuff. I don't know any of the terms, um, but it was just one day. I remember seeing all these people walking around with dots on their faces, and you know, for the. It was amazing what they what they did and what Margot accomplished, not having not really skated before. Um, no, I mean it works. it's it's, it's very difficult.
0: Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't know. I personally thought that she trained so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she could do it. But congratulations um, on the Golden Globe nomination and today also the Screen Actors Guild I nomination. Thank you For very that. very much. Uh, No, I mean it, it is a terrific. So you you found you found something in there to love about
1: her. No, not love, but but understand. You know, I there's I just that's got to be a woman who was abused, didn't feel she got a good deal in life, didn't get anything she wanted. Um, resentful, angry. Um, I can relate to all those things at times. I mean, there's so many things I. Too many resentments, too much anger about certain things, and I. So I can I can relate to that, and and also, um, knowing that, you know, she she did, work every penny went to Tanya's skating, and she drove her to. The, I know it. I mean, my parents. I would wake my parents up at five in the morning to take me to the rink before school in the morning to do my compulsory figures, and it, it takes a lot of, of commitment on on parents too, and um, so I know she. She did her best. I don't think it's a woman who knew how to love or be loved. I, I, I don't, it's just the way she showed love was to be, to make sure her daughter. I mean, the terrible, the scene is so awful. Uh, it made me laugh when I read it, and then I think, oh, it's terrible when I actually looked at it, so don't judge me for saying that. But when she, when she kicks her daughter out of the chair, she's coloring. And I was like, Stephen, I mean, it made me laugh, and then I went, oh, God, this is horrible, and I've got to play this, and I thought, Oh, what's that moment about? And I know for her, it was watching her daughter coloring and just sitting there content for a moment. and she was like, "Don't get too content. Don't life is not gonna be nice to you. So you better prepare be prepared for bad things to happen because they're gonna happen. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. And yet, I had to under, I, I just, that's how I had did. to. I didn't get the, to meet her beforehand either, so I didn't get to talk to that woman. And now I she's resurfaced because she had changed her name. And Tanya didn't know where she was, didn't care if she was alive or dead, didn't know where she was. So I didn't get to speak with her. I would have asked her a gazillion questions. And I'm sure that she would have denied everything that, you know, all the abuse she would have made light of. She would have denied everything and only. But I do feel like we represented her in the, the, the direct address part to the to the camera. I did get to say her part of the, the story, and at least from Stephen's point of view of what he thought it must have been. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I don't think that we, I think we always engage with her, actually, however
1: horrendous.
0: She might be, so has she, has there been any response from her to uh, your portrayal? Only there was some,
1: she was on some, uh, you know, American news news magazine thing where, she said, that's who's playing me, you know? I mean, I don't know why I'm playing her Southern right now, but she, she said, that's <laughs> who's playing me. I, I think she was, and she downplayed the abuse, said I may have swat her once or something, exactly how you would think that she would react to it. Um, I kind of wish for her sake that she had been around for Stephen to talk to just to really better represent her side of the story, but I think I did, a, you know.
0: But we do see a little bit of her at the end and it doesn't look I know, so I know. <laughs>
1: And acting with a bird is a whole, I mean, I've acted with a lot of animals and I love animals. I'm a big dog and cat person, but birds kind of freak me out a little bit because I don't, I don't know, I've never had a bird and they kind of, I don't know how they interact with people. I don't, I wasn't, and I just thought, oh God, this, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm just going to put the, just put them on my shoulder and act like we're friends and never look at them. Cause um, someone, uh, when I was learning to smoke, when I was, you know, 14, back when it was, you know, we thought it was cool to smoke, um, someone said, oh, you you look cool. You you can't look at the cigarette ever. Just don't look at it and you'll look really cool. I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. That works. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well, I am going to wonder if that's going to work with the bird (laughs) because I've never worked with a bird before and I want to look like we have a, we've been together for a long time. So I thought, well, I'm just going to look at it ever, no matter what he does. And that bird was like he said, Oh yeah? Okay. <laughs> watch this. And he just like <laughs> poking in my ear. And I really think he kind of fueled my performance a little bit though. He made me really angry. <laughs> it was, like, I was determined to tell my side of the story um, to the camera. And I actually, I loved that part of the movie <laughs> so much. The whole look, the fabulous, uh, ma- uh, the three hours of you know, makeup was fascinating to me to watch. I've never had that done to me before in those, and Andre Freitas. Um, um, did this makeup with me. And it was, it was, I just loved it. I mean, I probably wouldn't have if I, if I had to film in that old age makeup every day for three months, I probably would have wanted to, but that, I only had to do that um, um, two days getting that makeup. So it was, it, the novelty didn't wear off, it was, and it was really fun. And um, just side story, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm like, I'm get, um, the, the bird, you know, I'd smoke through the whole movie and, and the, the bird handler said, you can't smoke uh, around the bird. And and I was like, Oh thank God and, and Craig Gillespie said, well, You have to smoke, you've been smoking the whole movie. We can't that doesn't make sense if you don't and literally right before we shot I turned to the prop man and I said, Do you have one of those um you know those things—the oxygen tank and breathing um, thing—because it would make sense that she would have emphysema after all those years of smoking. <laughs> and he did; he had it, and and it was that—that that was so—that was yeah. this movie. Things like that happened all the time, where you had to make decisions really on works. the spot, and and everyone was on their A-game and had it, and like he brought it, and it was perfect. The only thing not perfect was that the bird was fascinated with it, so he kept poking <laughs> at it. But but as I said, in the end, he really um, he really. He came he, through He gave me my performance. I owe everything to that bird. <laughs> I, do. I do.
0: Well, um, it's time now to open it out to questions from you. Oh, the lights coming. Look, there are people there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and lots of hands up already. And there's some microphones. So will if we could have a microphone in there, please. And they all seem to be on this side of okay. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Hello. Go ahead. Um so I was wondering if you had any advice for tall actresses just starting out in the industry. Now, <laughs> how tall are you? Five nine.
1: Oh. Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You'll it's be fine. something. <laughs> no, don't let. I'll tell you what Sanford Miser told me, and which is that don't let anyone tell you you're too tall to act. Um, it. It's not gonna. You'll you'll be fine. You keep. It, it shouldn't be. Um, I'm trying to think. It, it, it just don't make it a problem. Don't make it a problem. And you, you're you're obviously a, a beautiful young woman. Just work on your craft. That's all you need to do. Work on your craft. Keep taking classes. Learn and keep doing, and and things will will open up for you. But don't ever think of it as being a um, something that's that. Um, that's not an asset. It's an asset to you. I have the microphone. Hi. Sorry. Just in the middle. Here,
0: right here. Hi there. Ah. Green jacket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, I wanted to ask if you could talk a little bit about Sun Dogs and what was Jennifer Morrison like as the director?
1: Jennifer Morrison... I did this movie called Sundogs, which I haven't even seen yet. Um, Jennifer Morrison is... She, I was so impressed with her. She is an incredibly smart, talented um, woman who I, I hope she directs a lot more because I've, I had a wonderful time with her. I've, she really knows how to talk to actors and, and, and I was so impressed with her on the, on the set. Um, she is extraordinary. Um, how do you know, do you know her just from, what show do you know her from? Uh, once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. <laughs> And House, yeah. She's extraordinary. And I think that um, Sundogs got picked up by Netflix. Karen, is that right? Oh. Rachel. Rachel, what's happening with my life? What's going on? It, oh my God, Rachel. Okay. I can't wait to see it. I've not seen it. But Ed O'Neill, I got to work with, with him. And... Um, I, I I I loved working with Jennifer. Can't say enough about her. Beautiful, as talented and smart. Hey, I got the mic. Cj, rather uh, well, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say I wanted to be like the 2,000th person to thank you for playing Cj. I started watching The West Wing when I was 12, and uh, oh my gosh, it was like the thing that my family did and got me into American politics. Um, but I wanted to ask you uh, a, a slightly broader question, um, which is, wh- what is the hardest part about your job? And,
0: and is it something internal to do with you and, you know, what you can bring and,
1: like, dealing with life in itself and, and, and everything else? Or is it external? Is it about dealing with people, whether it's the directors or the other actors? What's the, what's the hardest part about Yeah, the hardest my, part of, of your job. Of being an actor? Yeah. Um, I think... Um, depending on what medium I'm working in. Uh, I, I recently went back to Broadway and, and, and did a play called Six Degrees of Separation and and had to deal with um, stage fright. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, how can it be that I've come to this point in my career and I have to deal with that? It should be, uh, experience should trump fear, but um, I think, uh, you know that was a huge, huge thing for me. I had to get back to being comfortable on stage after being, you know, working in film and and on *Mom*. I get to, you know, we have a safety net. We can say, ah, stop. Let's cut. Let's do that over again. And 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 so that was the challenge in that. And 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 sometimes on a film set, the challenge for me is keeping my focus. And and because there's so many people around and and you know poking at you and fixing your costume and and talking to you, and you're you're trying to you know, sometimes you have a hard scene to do or emotional scene and not everyone appreciates or, or what, what an actor has to go through and or their process. And some actors, it's very easy to be joking and then action and they're crying. And, and I'm one of those actors who, I, I kind of had to be in the right mood and I, I sometimes signal people by having earphones in so they won't talk to me or, because um, I, I like to be in a certain place and it's not as easy for me to access things without going to, you know, protecting my my, my, I process, I guess, and then um, on on Mom, it's crazy because we're, we're we're working in front of a live audience, and we the writers are rewriting stuff and throwing it at us, you know, as, as we film right there in front of everyone, and so everything has its different challenges, but um, I think it's always just about keeping my my it's all about protecting my focus, my work. And I also, I just, I, I'll use whatever, that's another good trick to do, is just use whatever is there. If someone's in your eyeline and they're bothering you, if it helps you in your scene, use it. I just use whatever I can to help <coughs> do the best I can.
0: I just wanted to ask, is it um, easier for you to play a character that relates to you personally, or would you prefer someone that's not relatable to you? Is it, say, say again, is when you're it, playing a character, would you prefer someone who kind of relates more to your personality, or someone who's kind of completely opposite?
1: I think it's fun to be um, someone who's not at all like me. It's it's very, it's really fun <laughs> to play someone like Bonnie, who's doesn't have any um, boundaries or um, doesn't judge herself and says whatever she wants and doesn't care what anyone thinks about her. That's very liberating for me to play someone like that. Um, um, yeah, I like, I like disappearing. Um, but Margaret Scully, like she was I, I the woman from Masters of Sex, I related to her and that well, that doesn't feel too bad either. As long as it's not me, I don't care. I'm happy to be like <laughs> it's, it's nice to hide behind whatever I can hide behind even if it's the character similar to me or not. I'm just happy to have a script <laughs> I don't know what to say.. Yeah.
0: Uh, Firstly, thank thank you for so many incredible performances. Thank you. The thing I want to ask: C. J. Craig is obviously a press secretary for the entire run of the West Wing, but the West Wing finished before the big post, like before the big social boom kind of happened. Do you think her character would still work as well in a kind of social media crazy world, Mm -hmm. or do you think it was more interesting playing her because it was before the big social media boom?
1: Do I think? Do do you think? Do I think C. J. would? would ha- would play as well in, in today's world yeah. as she did then? Think she yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. I think she's so needed right now. It'd be so nice to have a woman like CJ and would she, she be wouldn't Twitter, be working for, for Trump, would, though. Would she be tweeting? <laughs> CJ, I don't know she'd be tweeting. Well, she would definitely suggest to the president that she should tweet for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that would be good, I think. (laughs) I think it would be good if someone (laughs) would take that thing away from him and um, uh, let her. uh, God, I think she would rock right now. I think so many people are coming back to the West Wing and and clamoring for it because of what's going on in politics in America right now. I think it would be. I think she would be even bigger rock star now.
0: Um, my question's quite similar to that, actually. You mentioned this idea of the revival for the West Wing, with mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown as president. Personally, I'd like to see CJ as president.
1: Oh, yeah. you're, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're so sweet. I, 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 I don't, you know, I would definitely... It's all up to Aaron. My God, Aaron Sorkin, if he did that, I would... I don't know so funny because I always think of Alison Janney being president, it just makes me laugh so hard. But, um, <laughs> um, if Aaron did it, I would I would jump at a second. We definitely, it's time for a, um, a female president, so I thank you. Do you think CJ would be up for it? I mean, uh, we might CJ would to be to up for she it, she yeah, she would, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I have no doubt about it. Would you <laughs> consider Donald as a VP? Would I consider who? Donald. I don't
0: think think he's, he's probably unlikely to go for that role, isn't he? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, yes.
1: Hello, Um, thank you very much, Alison, for coming here tonight to talk to us. It's really interesting interesting to hear you talking. Thank you. Um, I just wondered if, I'm sure you've got so many roles ahead of you, but I wondered, has there been a role that you didn't get that you kind of, you wished you had? And is there a role you haven't played yet that you're hankering to do? that you kind of know it's out there, but you, it just hasn't come your way yet? Such good questions, and um, I'm always like in denial of all the parts that I didn't get, <laughs> I, I quickly forget about. Like, I, don't, I know there have been lots of parts I haven't That's gotten. That's very positive, I would do the same. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I just, I forget. I always think of, I'm not gonna say his name, but I have a friend who, I haven't had one of these moments, but I have an actor friend who turned down Big Mm. Mm. Yeah. I haven't had one of those. Um, thankfully, there's been one part that I turned down because I didn't like the script, and someone ended up getting an Academy Award nomination from it. And I was like, "Wow!" was I, "How could I have been so?" Um, but you know, you always run the risk of you just you make choices in the moment. What makes sense in the moment, and you can't regret it. And I, I know I've auditioned for tons of things that I haven't gotten, and I'm, I'm like blanking on all of them right now. Um, and that's good. I'm going to just go with your, your <laughs> thing that it's positive that I forgot that. And parts that I want to play yet. Um, I'm always interested in, in uh, creating new roles, like new playwrights writing new roles. I want to do. Um, things that haven't been written yet. I want to create them. Um, I'm sure there's some classic, I'm trying to think of plays I've wanted to do, but sometimes it's hard to step into performances that people have already. You know, made their mark on, and then people compare you to. I like creating something new, so no one can say, "Oh, she did it better." So, you
0: know. And do you think? I mean, is it your judgment that that there's more exciting new stuff happening on
1: TV or? Yes, TV is definitely. I mean, film getting more so, but in television, I mean, look at, you know. I was just thinking of Nicole Kidman talking about um, doing big, *Big Little Lies* and how a lot of these are are big, you know, American movie stars are turning to television because of the um, the female-driven um, content is, is stronger there, um, for whatever for whatever reason right now. And um, but I love that *Itania* is. Um, um, Female-driven, and that's mainly why Margot Robbie jumped on board. Is that she wanted to? She wasn't getting the roles that she wanted to do, so she she said, "I'm going to produce," which is another way to you know create things for yourself. But I thought, well, also Margot Robbie has. <coughs> she's Margot Robbie, and she's. But you're on some would I you know, fancy, but I, you I know, but like I think. You know, the, on the business side of things, I think Margot Robbie can get a film um, financed better than Ells and Janet can. You know, there's that side of the business. No, <laughs> it's tried? really, yeah, it's it's a different. It's um, a, <laughs> Yeah. It's it's, anyway, but um.
0: Hmm. That may um, change, I think.
1: I hope so. She's I'm proud. <laughs> she, I'm proud of her. She's a, yeah. she's my. I love her.
0: Okay. This hand on here. Yeah. Hand on here. Hey. This, ooh, ooh,
1: ooh. You in the white shirt right there. Amazing body of work. I need a microphone. (laughs) He doesn't need one. You've got projection. Are you an actor? Amazing body of work that we've seen on screen there. Thank Um, you. As you were traversing West Wing, we obviously had a focus from originally Rob Lowe and then it became a focus on the president. Could you feel how pivotal and important the role of CJ was in portraying strong women? I think as, as um, after West Wing, um, for me, I think she's emerged as, I think now I realize how important she is and was to people. I don't think when I was doing it, I was aware of it at all. Um, and ever, people coming up to me, especially young women saying, "You, I've changed my, you know, my major in college, because of you, I've gone into um, public service because of C.J. and that—that's where it's sort of—I've realized what an impact she had and how important she was as a, a role model to to women. She's a great role model, and, and and I don't think I knew the impact when I was doing it. I just loved doing it and was happy that. Um, there was a, such a strong woman in, in a traditionally male-dominated arena, and, and that she was kicking ass and going, you know, toe-to-toe with the president and four-star gen it, it was really empowering. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Hey. Oh, that's oh. right. this one. <laughs>
1: Um, thank you so
0: much. It's yes. been a fantastic evening. Um, but I wanted to ask about your comedy because um, mm-hmm. Drop Dead Gorgeous and um, Strangers with Candy was an unusual one. But yeah, I've <laughs> seen that. But I, um, but I wanted to know because um, you're you're really strong at sort of like a written scripts and that sort of stuff. But um, uh, some of the Melissa McCarthy comedies that you've been in uh,
1: are kind of a lot more ad lib, and I wondered how you approach that, or oh, how you, would you enjoy that. I shut up when <laughs> Melissa McCarthy is improvising. That's the that's it's you know <laughs> smart to know when to shut up, and and, and <laughs> Melissa, she's the world's greatest improver. I I can't say speak highly enough about her. Um, that and also you know w- w- in Spy I was playing the head of the CIA. Now, I could improv if I was playing, you know, fish out of water characters or someone, you know, but, but to, you, you've heard me speak tonight. I'm not, I, I, I search for words. I'm somebody, and, and someone who's the head of the CIA has got to be more like CJ and be able to boom, 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 boom. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to come up with stuff like that. So I just listened to her and would occasionally say, stop talking, <laughs> shut up. And I knew that that's where my strength would be, knowing when, <laughs> just to just tell her to shut up. And also, um, Paul Feig, who was so, oh my God, so much fun to work with. He would, um, he had a group of writers he had with him around the monitors, and they would just throw out alternate lines to me all the time. Like, <coughs> okay, now say this. Now say this. Now say this. And, and, and sometimes it was so, my head would be spinning. I'd be like, wait, what did you? Did you even hear what you just said? What What did you just say? I couldn't. Um, it was. It was it was like a game it was like a game show I was on, it was but it was so uh, it was really a lot of fun but but the improv stuff on that no but but like in drop dead gorgeous I improv'd a couple I'm, I'm always famous for throwing out like a one improv at the end of a scene or something that usually gets in that's kind of fun like and Loretta says I got some I improv <laughs> that and and that was in the movie and um, um you know, if I've got something good, I'll, I'll 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 throw it out. But I'm not real confident in my skills as an improv improver. I wish I had taken some improv classes. Actually, I think that that would be a, a good thing for actors to to do. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Well, we're just about out of time now. Oh, go on then. One one more. I can see this hand. Hi, Alison. Oh. Hi. Um, would you ever consider coming to the West End?
1: Yes, abs- yeah. my friend Richard Schiff is always coming here to do plays. <laughs> I, would, um, I would I would, would love to. If I could find a way to take my three dogs with me, it would be even better. <laughs> when I did the Broadway play this, this past spring, I left my dogs in LA because I didn't think I could have them in New York and I missed them so much. It was really hard for me to do. I can't imagine leaving them. Um, Does a the pet passport Could I bring them across yeah, the. Pet really? Yeah. really? Yeah. What's your name? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I love my dogs so... I, I, can't, I was heartbroken not having them with me. Um, they're all Australian cattle dog mutts, and they're the oh. sweetest animals. I love them. Um, and I may adopt that bird from my Tanya, too. <laughs> I didn't know that birds live till they're 50. Did you know that? Know, yeah. Or sometimes longer? <laughs> I'm looking into it.
0: Thank you all for
1: being here. Yeah, well, no, higher. no,
0: we, we must. Thank you for your questions. And I have to say that, um, although I'm sorry that your figure skating ambitions were thwarted, <laughs> figure skating's loss has been very much our gain elsewhere. So thank you so much for your life. And pictures, thank ours. you very much.